Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Boll, the Director of Public Affairs, and we're going to get into what's going on over at the state capitol with about a week and a half to go in the uh, normal session. I know there's going to be a special session coming up, too, that's going to have a lot of fireworks. But we have a lot of things going on with the ag industry um, that are still going, trying to work their way through the legislature. We're going to get into that today, plus also talk to Kelly Smith about what's happening in Missouri with the equine industry. There's a lot of very interesting developments trying to bring everyone together onto the same page. So let's go ahead and get started. BJ Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Affairs, and we are right up, up to the end of our legislative session in Jeff City. We have about a week and a half left trying to get a few things across the finish line, but actually just in the past week since we last talked, we've had quite a bit happen, and some things just completely changed uh, from uh, did a 180 from what we thought was happening when we talked last week. So, BJ, uh, we saw uh, one of those things was a total turnaround on the eminent domain uh, reform package. That's right. So um, on the uh, the co-ops broadband bill, which was House Bill 1880, um, last time we spoke, I told you that it was probably um, dead in the, as far as legislation goes. Um, fortunately, the two sides were able to come together. The co-ops gave a little bit, and the uh, the other the other side that was you know fighting for fighting against the bill um, were able to find some common ground. You know they came they made several amendments to the bill. They changed it so that it wouldn't affect any ongoing cases, and said that it didn't affect any cases that were filed before the effective date of the legislation. So that clarified that. And then they added that there could be some damages um, depending on the use of the property and things like that. So. Um, to be completely fair, the co-ops made some concessions, and in the in the end, we're able to pass a bill um, that will protect them moving forward to be able to use um, that current um, currently in use infrastructure to facilitate mm-hmm. broadband. Um, like I've been saying, this bill may not bring broadband to anyone tomorrow, but it gets out of the way of one of the things that was keeping some co-ops from facilitating broadband in their in their areas. So I think it's a big step forward for for for, for the rural Missouri and getting connectivity um, as we seen we had several rural co-ops that said we will not get into broadband as long as this is an issue hanging out there yeah. and so that hopefully this is this allows them it gets out of the way of those um, and allows some of those to facilitate broadband moving forward so we were happy to see that glad to see the two t- sides come back to the table and find a find a bill that everybody could agree to pass so we yeah. got that done uh, Wednesday and Thursday of last week and um, excited to be moving forward Another thing we got done last week was Senate Bill 782. Um, Senate Bill 782 was relating to uh, the Department of Natural Resources, and it had two provisions particularly that Farm Bureau was interested in. One was uh, regarding fencing along the Rock Island Trail, the proposed trail that used to be a railway going into a recreational trail or possibly. It doesn't support the trail one way or the other, whether or not it should become a recreational trail, but it says if it does, that DNR and specifically the state parks are um, are basically on the hook for fencing along the trail. Mm-hmm. So if you have a reason along your property that you'd like to have it fenced off, um, whether you have cattle or livestock or just f- simply this is my property line, um, that DNR and specifically state parks are required to do the fencing or um, help provide the um, 
the materials for the fencing. They don't have to do it themselves. The landowner can say, you provide the materials, I'll put the fence up because you want it done a certain way. Um, but the DNR does have to help with some of that. So it's not just on the landowner, whereas all you had was a set-aside railway that your cattle could have fed across or moved back and forth on, where now you may have visitors on your property. Um, this would put clear boundaries on that land and keep your livestock off of their trail and, yeah. and help both sides. So. And that's something we've talked about at length with Leslie Holloway and, and oh past episodes too is that uh you know this this railway has been abandoned since i i think before either of you you or you or i were alive it's been um you know nearly 40 years since uh the the trail was actually used as a railway um and so a lot of landowners along the way like you say have been using that just as any other part of their land really because they just had given an easement to the railroad so this would if it does end up becoming a state park, which we are still, that's still very hotly debated, yeah. um, that would provide them at least some um, some uh, protection from uh, what, they're, what they've been afraid of, people coming onto their land. Yeah, that's right. And if it's going to become a trail, then it's not a cost to that current landowner. So mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. a, it's a good step forward. So we were glad to see that get done. Also in that bill were the um, clarifications to the clean water law that we've talked about a few times. Um, where we're making it clear that agriculture, stormwater runoff, and irrigation flows are exempt from permitting unless they're causing harm uh, to the water of the state. So it's, it doesn't change any current law. It just clarifies um, there were several um, there were some interpretations that would have uh, w- were up in the air on Missouri's current clean water law, and so this would just clarify, draws us in line with federal law, and says those ag stormwater runoffs and irrigation return flows are are not um, are exempt from permitting unless they're causing a water to become harmful. So I mm-hmm. think that was a big step forward. So we had a big week last week. Um, and just now, here we are, we're looking at a couple of days this week and then next week to uh, try to finish things out. So, mm-hmm. And it looks like we're, well, as usual, trying to get the budget finished up um, and get that passed before the deadline. How are, how are the uh, prospects looking for that happening? Yeah, so um, the budget um, came together this week. Um, in conference. They conference Monday and Tuesday, and actually the budget is on the floor right now as we speak. I was able to sneak away for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're speaking on Wednesday, yes. <laughs> so yeah. we'll hopefully uh, not see anything blow up between now and the end of the week. Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of, um, you know, there's people on both sides of this. When you're divvying up money, there's always uh, two different perspectives, but I think um, everybody seems to be pretty comfortable with where we ended up, so I think we'll probably get through budget um, this evening at some point. So it'll be Wednesday evening, we'll get through that, and then get back to uh, regular business. As we look towards um, these last couple weeks, there's a few things still hanging out there we'd like to see get done. Uh, Senate Bill 627, that's now over in the House. We'd like to see that get taken up. It includes um, provisions relating to um, labeling of meat products, saying that if it doesn't come from the carcass of an animal, it shouldn't be labeled as a meat product. Mm -hmm. And then also agricultural inputs, where it um, clarifies that regulation of ag um, seed and fertilizer should remain at at the Department of Agriculture at the state level. This is simply just to avoid a patchwork of regulations across the state. As our members know, and as most people know, farming operations don't stop at a county line or, or a municipality line at this point. You know, they're working in, in lots of different areas as they have had to become bigger. Um, and we want to make sure that we're dealing with a consistent level of regulation. And that's right in line with Farm Bureau uh, policy that says that we believe that regulations of agriculture should remain at the state level. Uh, so we'll be looking for uh, Senate Bill 627. And then the, the, the other topic of conversation we've been spending a lot of time on is uh, um, House Bill 1872, which is that broadband fund bill. 
It was reported from committee last week, and I believe probably sometime later this week we'll see it on the Senate floor. Um, So there's still a little bit of conversation going on with that, but we have come to a point where the provider communities and us coming from the consumer and rural broadband perspective feel like we're in a pretty good place. We've got a bill that would support new 25-3 Internet into new areas, and it still focuses on areas that don't have quality broadband service now before it would possibly serve for upgrades. So we think that that's a good step forward for the state. We all know the state is lagging when it comes to connectivity, um, if you look at it from a national perspective. And hopefully this would help um, help facilitate broadband into new areas and, and help uh, bridge that urban-rural divide that we see so often. Yeah, that's good to see some progress on that. And, you know, going back to something you mentioned a little bit ago, the uh, Senate Bill 627 that is is making some progress that uh, it it has a portion of it that's devoted to meat uh, products that are labeled as meat even though they don't come from the carcass of an animal and trying to um, prohibit that from um, from being possible that is actually something that's been getting a lot of national attention because Missouri is uh, if it does end up passing this would be the first state to have a regulation on that and that's been something that Actually, a lot of Silicon Valley money has been going into trying to find a way to make plant-based meat. That's what they're calling it, at least, where it looks like a hamburger. It sizzles like a hamburger. When you cut it, it looks like it bleeds like a hamburger. And um, so it's uh, all this high-tech food innovation trying to basically create a a meat alternative that's really plant-based. And um, this is, more more than anything, a labeling clarification uh, law that says, you know, if you want to make those, that's fine, but label it as what it is. Don't say that it's um, the same thing as meat, but just actually made out of beans or something. Yeah, and that's right. And and when we deal with, when we talk about fake meat, there's two different kinds. There's plant-based mm-hmm. or soy-based, and then there's also the prospect of laboratory-produced meat products. Right. Um, and so, but you're exactly right where we're talking about. This is about labeling and correct labeling, um, health labeling and, and safety regulation. You know, to some extent, we need to know what you're purchasing. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, you, you read what's on the shelves and you trust what you see. And so we want to make sure that those things are being labeled correctly. You know, it's interesting, as we've had this conversation in the Capitol, there's a lot of people coming up with a definition of meat that most of us on the street wouldn't understand. If you think of meat, it's not exactly the way you think of it. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that we're we're protecting agriculture a little bit, but we're also making sure that the consumer knows what they're purchasing. Yeah, and the those actual, the plant-based burgers are starting to actually show up in, re- in restaurants these yeah. days. Um, and a lot of people in the ag world call it fake meat. Um, the uh, obviously the manufacturers don't like it called that, but um, the the stuff that's uh, cultured in a lab is still a little bit of a ways off in the future because I think right now it's something like nine hundred dollars a pound to create the stuff. Now they do think you know obviously everything starts out high priced and you get more effective and efficient at your productivity, um, your your process, and they hope to someday get in line with um, with what actual meat does cost when you buy it at the grocery store. Um, but taking these preemptive steps so that we do have clarification is what Missouri is trying to do. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what kind of national attention we get for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, appreciate you joining us. And uh, I know that you are in the home stretch. Get some sleep. Hope that you actually are able to get home and see the kids sometimes, too. Yeah, we take advantage of the chances we do get. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be a busy few weeks here. Very good. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Spencer Tuma is our Director of National Legislative Affairs, and we're a little bit in between things this week, waiting for 
the uh, the farm bill to be taken up in Congress. Uh, what's the timeline looking like with that this week? You're right. So we are still waiting on the House to bring the farm bill to the House floor for debate and hopefully eventual passage. Um, I've been told that amendments are currently being filed for the farm bill process, and we're hopeful to see some floor time next week up in Washington. So uh, we'll have an update later this week in our Capital Connection newsletter. We don't have any real concrete information about a lot of the amendments that are coming in. That situation is still very fluid at this point. Uh, but the House's goal is to have the farm bill passed out of the House at least by Memorial Day. I think it will happen before then. I think we'll see floor time well before then. Uh, but that's the the hard stop goal, if you will, at this point. And we're still hearing that um, R- Ranking Member Peterson is uh, encouraging all of the Senate, all of the House Democrats, to withhold all amendments. Correct? Yes, that's right. So the latest that I've heard reported is that Democrats are not planning to offer any amendments during the process, which is very out of the norm. Typically, amendments have always been offered, and they've been offered on both sides of the aisle. Um, there will be amendments from some of our um, further conservative friends, uh, talking about amendments to crop insurance and sugar policy, which I know we discussed in previous episodes. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing what's going to be proposed, but we certainly would encourage our House members to protect crop insurance and protect farm programs. Those Mm -hmm. amendments, if they get through, um, they could really sink this bill. Sure. And uh, I believe um, Congressman Peterson, the way that he phrased it was that this bill, in his opinion, wasn't worth, uh, wasn't fixable. Right. So there was no reason to offer amendments on something he didn't think could be fixed in any way. So he wants to go back to the drawing board, really, which means kick it down the road for another year. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll see if this gets any traction. And then what's it look like in the Senate? So the Senate is a little bit behind the House. I think, you know, just my personal opinion, I think the Senate is waiting a little bit to see what's going to happen on the House floor. Um, I've been told that they are working in committee. They have most of their farm bill written, but it's not completely done yet. Uh, We're hopeful that by the time the House passes the farm bill, hopefully through, um, that the Senate will be ready to release their version. The overall goal, the overall timeline from what I've been hearing is that Leader McConnell and Chairman Conaway would like to have the bill pass through both chambers no later than the 4th of July recess. So that mm-hmm. could set up floor time for the Senate bill, um, maybe committee work in end of May, early June, and then floor time in mid-June. And then we would hopefully be able to get that bill conferenced in July before Congress adjourns for their long August recess. Mm-hmm. Well, and then on the other side of the coin, the appropriations process, uh, the, the House um, Ag Appropriations Subcommittee mm-hmm. is working on Uh, some language this week. What are they up to? Sure. So uh, it seems like the appropriations process really never ends (laughs) in Washington. We kind of just passed the FY18 spending measure, which will get us through September 30th. That's the end of the fiscal year. Uh, But work has already been ongoing to get the government funded through fiscal year 19 as well. Um, The Ag Appropriations Subcommittee in the House is going to be considering a bill today and marking up Uh, their proposal for the Ag Appropriations Bill. One thing that's really encouraging in that bill uh, is there's some significant additional funding for rural broadband deployment. Uh, I say it every time, but we talk about broadband every episode. It's very important. And we did see a lot of funding come through in the FY18 budget agreement. So if this FY19 budget agreement ends up becoming law, that'll be about $1.5 billion worth of investment into rural broadband, which we think is absolutely necessary. So yeah. we're going to be keeping an eye on that. And that, if that did end up becoming law, that would be from October 1st of this uh, this fall 
um, through September 30th of the next year, right? That's my understanding. Yes, yeah. that's our that's the fiscal year for the government. Mm-hmm. So, and then on the home front, we have mm-hmm. some things going on uh, in in your uh, department. You mm-hmm. have already gotten the ball rolling on the policy development process for mm-hmm. this this year that will culminate at our annual meeting in December. Where where do we stand with that right now? Well, so it's mid-May, so we're officially about a month away from our open hearings. So our state resolutions committee has been selected, and those members have been notified uh, via email and mail that they are going to be serving on the committee. And we're looking forward to having them here in June to discuss a lot of issues facing farmers and ranchers and rural communities around the state. Of course, we're going to hear a lot about local and state issues, but we're going to talk a lot about federal issues as well. Um, when I was an intern, here a few years ago, President Hurst told me that the open hearing was like a two-day crash course masters in agricultural policy, <laughs> um, and I completely believe it. So um, you're going to get a lot of good information, and if you are on the state resolutions committee, be on the lookout for that information that's come to your email. And if you have questions, please get a hold of us at the home office. And, and then after that uh, open hearing happens, what is, what's the next step in the process? That's that? a good question. So at the open hearing, the state resolutions committee will develop our policy development questionnaire and that will be printed in the summer issue of Show Me Magazine which will hit mailboxes around July. Um, As you get that questionnaire in your mailbox we do encourage you to fill it out and return it to your county office for consideration by your county board. Once the counties have their questionnaires in, they typically have their annual meeting where the county board meets to discuss the recommendations that were gathered by the county. And each county is able to submit recommendations to the resolutions committee for consideration at our October meeting. So that time between July and the end of September, which is when those resolutions are due, are very important. And it's never too early to start thinking about something Um, that you might want to submit to the committee for consideration. There are a lot of things Missouri Farm Bureau has policy on, but there might be things that you think we should reconsider or things that we don't have policy on that you think we should. So we would encourage you to get in touch with your county board about those issues. Great. And yeah, it just is unbelievable that we're basically halfway through the year already and halfway to annual meetings. So uh, looking forward to seeing what comes out of that process, what the hot topics are this year that we need to be really giving some deep consideration to so we can vote on those things at annual meeting our members can give us direction on how to how to move forward in the state capitol and the national capitol right well we're really looking forward to it it's kind of a fun process every year um, and it's always a unique process you hear about issues that uh, you may not expect to hear about so I'm, i'm looking forward to seeing what comes up and if anybody has questions about the process please don't hesitate to ask all right great well thank you again spencer we look forward to talking to you next time all right we'll see you then Smith is our director of marketing and commodities, and this is the first time that we've spoken with Kelly on uh, on digging in. But we had some really interesting developments over the past uh, week or two that uh, are he's been working on trying to uh, bring some of our groups together in the state into uh, a more cohesive unit with the horse organizations. The there are a number of equine organizations across the state that have um, had some differences of opinion over the years, and we have uh, been trying to find ways to, to work together. And Kelly, appreciate you joining us today. Well, thanks very much for the opportunity. And if you could uh, give us a little bit of background as to um, what's happened over the years with the equine organizations in Missouri and uh, what led up to this part, this point. Sure. 
Well, the horse industry is very fragmented. There are probably more organizations within the horse industry, equine organizations within the horse industry than any other uh, sector of agriculture. There are the breed organizations, the interest organizations such as rodeo, uh, show horse racing, uh, trail riding, and so forth. So there's an organization for all of the breeds. There's an organization for all of the various interests. With that, there are saddle clubs uh, locally across the state uh, with that. They're all very passionate about what they do, but they're only passionate about what they do. And they haven't uh, in the past worked together uh, on issues of importance to all of them. And, and that's definitely something that you see a lot in, uh, in organizations, not just within agriculture, but in any type of thing. If you get too um, specialized, it's sometimes hard to get uh, things moving in the right direction if you don't have a coalition a little bit broader. You betcha. And there used to be the Missouri Equine Council, which was a broad umbrella organization for uh, Missouri horse owners. But it went defunct about four years ago uh, with that because of various reasons we won't get into. But Mm -hmm. it finally just kind of, it used to be a fairly large group and then got splintered down uh, into uh, a very small group. And finally, they uh, closed shop, so to speak. Mm -hmm. About a year and a half ago, uh, two or three uh, equine organizations came to Farm Bureau and asked if we would be if we would take on the challenge of trying to pull them all back together because they saw the value of having an umbrella organization for equine organizations, but knew they couldn't do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, after consideration, uh, we said that we would try to do that. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the purposes that sometimes Farm Bureau can serve since we're such a, a broad organization advocating for all of agriculture. We um, are able to sort of bridge bridge some gaps and uh, try to be the, the peacemaker sometimes when people are not uh, completely getting along. So what steps did you take to try to uh, make that happen? Well, first of all, uh, Farm Bureau does have an equine advisory committee. Uh, We are a general farm organization, but we have advisory committees in most areas and sectors of agriculture. And I went to our equine committee first, uh, told them of the opportunity, uh, and they all thought it was great that we had been asked to do that and were willing to be a part of that effort. So uh, first of all, wanted to enlist our own members that were involved uh, in the uh, equine organizations. Uh, The next step is I... The uh, Missouri Quarter Horse Association has uh, what's known as the Missouri Equine Summit every year uh, in St. Louis, and they asked me to put together uh, a morning-long program on issues facing equine. And so I spoke. We I brought in about four or five different speakers uh, for that, uh, and so we met from 8 to probably 1 o'clock that, that year. Uh, and the last session was basically a just an open mic session, if you will, on the need for this and why Farm Bureau uh, was trying to do this and Mm -hmm. and to try to enlist support, especially the uh, equine organizations in the urban areas. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this all kind of culminated this past Saturday. You uh, everyone came together and basically decided to, to move forward with this. So where do we stand now? What happened on Saturday? Sure. Well, we had eight uh, statewide equine organizations come to the Farm Bureau Center here in Jefferson City. And we had been working for the last, I'm going to say, eight months on 
a, a set of draft bylaws uh, for the organization. And so basically Saturday's purpose was to do the final review of those bylaws um, and make any revisions that were needed, of which a few were, were made that day. And then the bylaws were adopted by those organizations. Uh, the other purpose was to, we hadn't really named the organization yet. And so the name uh, of the umbrella organization will be the Missouri Horse Council. Mm -hmm. uh, so that will be the name of the organization. Uh, a nominations committee or recruitment committee was appointed uh, and they will be contacting the organizations across the state and individuals uh, to talk about the need for people to step up and be involved uh, in a leadership position, either an officer or on uh, the executive committee. Uh, the timeline on that is probably July 1, mm -hmm. uh, July 15th area to come back and do that and then meet with uh, those eight organizations and all other organizations because this new group um, – it will be joined by organizations and not individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that way, we will touch more horse owners and uh, folks involved in the industry across the state uh, that way. Uh, once we get a set of officers and executive committee in place, um, then they, we will start functioning. But the major thing I think that was decided is uh, October 20th has been set as what we're going to call Founders Day for the organization, and any organization that wants to be a founding member of the Missouri Horse Council is going to be asked to come and participate, not just say they want to be involved, but actually send a representative or representatives, uh, and more than likely this meeting will be here in Jeff City at the Farm Bureau Center, mm -hmm. uh, but it will be October the 20th, so mm -hmm. uh, that will be a big day for uh, the equine industry in this state. That's great. There's so many people, like you say, that are passionate about horses and uh, want to be able to advocate for them in a, in a manner that can get some things done. Um, and I think that's going to be really a positive step for them. Uh, are there any particular issues that they're wanting to work on right now? Well, I think number one would be advocating for the horse industry. I mean, that's being done by individual organizations, but trying to put a, uh, a program and a package and a bow on it mm -hmm. uh, where it can be advocating at the, at the state level with the state legislature uh, and with groups and, and general audiences across the state. So education about the equine industry would be number one. Uh, another issue that has continued to come up since the meeting, the Horse Summit meeting in St. Louis a little over a year ago, too, is the need for more equine facilities in our state to hold big meetings. Mm -hmm. Most of our people that are involved in the equine industry here in Missouri travel out of state to the major shows or events, and they would like to be able to host some of those events here in our state. It would be great for tourism and the mm -hmm. economic impact for our state if we can do that. So and this would be a longer-term goal, but looking at trying to put together uh, facilities across the state, larger facilities in, in various areas of the state that can attract these types of events uh, and bring outside people to Missouri. And our folks won't have to travel so much out of state yeah. uh, to do the things that they love to do. That sounds great. Well, we appreciate all the work you're doing on this. I know it's um, can be frustrating and challenging, but I know that it's, it's really going to pay off in the end once everybody gets on the same page. 
Well, uh, it is, and I think it already is uh, with that. I mean, it's not that the groups don't get along. They do. It's just they don't they don't know how to work together, sure. maybe, uh, on the issues uh, that are out there that face all, every horse owner, not just a particular interest group or breed mm-hmm. group. Sounds good. Well, we look forward to seeing what happens later this year. Maybe we'll circle back then. All righty. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening again this week. Remember to go to our website where we have information about our Ag in the Classroom mini grants that are uh, the applications for those are due at the end of this month, May 31st. And that's where teachers can apply to receive some money to do agriculture teaching in their classroom. It's a great opportunity to teach uh, our our youth about what what our rural way of life is about and what farming is is all about. So do not forget to go do that because the deadline is coming up on us. We'll be back next week to talk about the last week of legislative session in Jefferson City and whatever is happening in Washington, D.C. as they try to get the farm bill off the floor. Thank you again for listening.